So we're offering this option for Western brands and Western Amazon sellers so that they can access the exact same channels that these Chinese sellers have already been accessing and utilizing as a competitive edge over the last couple of years, over the last five years or so. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Do you feel you're wasting money you could be keeping in your pocket? Well, many private label Amazon sellers don't even know where they're wasting money, let alone how to stop it. And if that's you, we can help. Our new online assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a powerful and quick diagnosis, go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your instant free analysis straight away. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 458. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six and seven figure Amazon e-commerce sellers. We are talking today about fulfillment, that is getting your customers orders from wherever they are in a warehouse of some description to the end consumer with a bit of a twist. So we're talking to Dayu uh, Yang today from Ecom Ops and Ecom Ops ship direct to consumers from China. And they can be consumers in the UK or US or wherever. And we'll talk more about the details of that. And uh, more and more FBM sellers, that is those who are selling fulfilled by merchant rather than using the FBA system, are starting to use this. And actually, this goes quite a lot deeper than you might expect. So stay tuned, even if you're not an obvious candidate for this stuff is what I would say. So first of all, Dario, thank you so much for coming on. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Great to be here and excited to talk about shipping from China. Absolutely. Now, just a tiny bit of background so people know who, who is talking first. We were just having a chat before the call and I was saying about, uh, I'm trying to reposition our business using the Boston Consulting Group Matrix or otherwise known as the Star Principle. And he said, ah, I actually used to work for those guys. So Obviously, you've got a bigger background than just e-commerce. So give us a bit of a flavor of who you are, first of all. Oh, yeah. I actually have a bigger background than even that, actually. So originally, I, I, I started in technology. I, w- I was a product manager making mobile games. That's my first career. And, I, and, and actually, that's actually a quite interesting experience as well, because it is I made free-to-play games, which if you think about the principle that you acquire users for free, so at a loss, basically, and then you try to make money off of them through microtransactions. So if you think about e-commerce, it's it's really dives into the concept of maximizing your customer LTV, actually. So 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 that's where I really first got experience with that. And then I and then I went to business school, got my MBA, and then I joined the Boston Consulting Group, where I consulted in ver- in various industries, but I also consulted a lot in retail and 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 e-commerce as well. And I started my own company. I I made a smart toy for kids, and I was actually featured in our Shark Tank. So that's the American version of Dragon's Den for those UK for UK listeners out there. And that's where I really got to have experience with the entire e-commerce and supply chain, value chain end to end. And it was around that time where I found out about, so at the time it was drop shipping. 
you know, so the concept of dropshipping at the time, someone will start a store and dropship from either something like AliExpress from China, or technically you could dropship from Amazon. They don't like you, they don't like you doing that, but you could dropship from Amazon as well. And I, I dabbled in that. And that's where I really learned about the power of directly shipping from China. Now, directly shipping from China to consumers is not exactly the same as dropshipping, right? Pure dropshipping is where you don't control the product at all. You don't have, have any stock, but I realized that that had a lot of issues. Right. I mean, if you don't control your product at all, then that obviously has a lot of issues and, and a lot of inconsistency because you don't control your supply chain. However, if you separate that out and I realized that you could actually, as a brand, just send your products to a fulfillment center in China, as opposed to say, for example, sending to FBA or fulfillment center in the UK or the US, for example, you could send it to a China fulfillment center because your factory is likely in China anyways and be able to ship directly from China. So you get all the advantages, which we'll talk about later, of shipping from China without the disadvantages of, you know, not being able to control your supply chain like the traditional drop shipping model. That's where I started Ecom Ops and we specialize in direct fulfillment, direct parcel fulfillment from China. So simply put it, we're essentially a 3PL. We're essentially a 3PL fulfillment center, shipping out customer orders, same as any kind of 3PL you might work with in the US or the UK. We just happen to be based in China. And ha and you know we we take advantage of take advantage of the direct from China shipping, and we'll talk about you know why that is later. Amazing! Wow, I'm glad I asked about your background because you have an incredibly impressive sort of intellectual plus what's the word very practical experience blend yeah. there. So that's really really helpful because I think what that says to me is you've you've created this for a really solid business reason, not because you just saw a random opportunity. And I think that's really really important. That it's, it's very thought through. So a couple of questions. I mean, I guess the the very first one is why would we do this? Because obviously China is a long way from the US or UK, as, as we all know. If we even try and get air stuff air freighted from there, it takes a while. And many of us who've, who've stuff gets made in China, of course, a lot of stuff, and we're familiar with that. But that would automatically make me a bit nervous or think, well, Amazon consumers expect prime day prime delivery, so next day delivery in the UK or two day delivery in the US, etc. So let's deal with yeah. that first. Yeah. So actually you, you hinted at it at first, freight takes a long time. You know, air freight even takes a long time. Sea freight takes particularly a long time, right? And you're obviously going to get the lowest average cost if you're filling up full containers, whether to FBA or to your third party warehouse, right? Now, the main benefit of, of, well, one of the main benefits of China fulfillment is that assuming your factory is in China, it's going to take days, sometimes hours actually to get to our warehouse. If our warehouse is based in Shenzhen, if your factory is based around Shenzhen, it could take three hours to replenish your stock, which is a huge difference between three weeks, right? You versus three weeks to, you know, kind of air freight somewhere or three months to, to sea freight somewhere, right? And because of that, that dramatically decreases your inventory risk, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's a huge difference on your balance sheet. And many of our clients who move from that kind of local fulfillment model to China fulfillment, uh, they decrease their inventory costs, holding costs by 90%, sometimes even more, right? Because as opposed to planning for three, six months of inventory at a time, they can plan for literally three days sometimes because they're just constantly replenishing and constantly having their factory send products to us sometimes on a daily basis, right? And it really gets much closer to that theoretical goal of having a just-in-time kind of stock planning, have that agile supply chain that really was more theory before, right? But it's really allowed us to get closer to that. 
Now, China shipping is not two-day prime shipping. Like, definitely not, right? It's, it's going to take, it, depending on what line you use, depending on the country, it's going to take like, you know, it's as, as fast as five, four to seven days or so, right? So not terribly slow, right? But it's not two-day shipping. But in the context of Amazon, that's not exactly the point. As I assume everyone knows, there is also FBM as an option, right? So what a lot of our clients do who utilize this for Amazon is they still utilize FBA for their primary channel and for a lot of their top selling SKUs. What they do is that they utilize China shipping as the FBM option, whether it's a backup when they are out of stock. As you know, FBA, sometimes even if you get stock there, it can take some time to actually process and replenish the, the inventory numbers and distribute across the warehouses, right? So they can use that as a backup, right? And it's going to be, depending on the product, it's going to sell a little bit worse than if you have that prime badge and, you know, that, that two day shipping. However, it's better than not selling at all, right? It's better than having your listing being delisted. And it's, it keeps your listing up. Actually, some of our clients, they utilize this just to keep their listing up, right? They, they, they don't even intend to actually replenish the FBA stock. They have the FBM listing up now. One, one, one very clear proof that this actually works is I'm sure the audience here is very aware of the past years of the competition from Chinese sellers, from Chinese Amazon sellers, right? And more and more so, actually, they have been using this. This is one of the reasons why they have been able to be so competitive, right? Yes, they have shipping in one or two weeks, yeah, but they are being able to price lower, right? And they have a lot more flexibility in terms of launching SKUs, new ASINs to compete with, with, with the, the listeners out there. So it's something that Chinese sellers are using already. And the only thing that we're, we're really doing is actually we offer services to Western sellers, right? So we're offering this option for Western brands and Western Amazon sellers so that they can access the exact same channels that these Chinese sellers have already been accessing and utilizing as a competitive edge over the last couple of years, over the last five years or so. And actually, you know, one, Last, but very important note that, 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 that is a clear value is you can ship internationally very, very efficiently. You cannot ship internationally from the UK to the US, for example. It is not going to be cost effective. It's going to take forever, right? Basically anywhere, you know, except maybe like the country right next to you, depending on where you are, is going to be highly inefficient. From China is actually going to be cheaper and actually it's going to take, you know, five, to 10 days, you know, really anywhere in the top markets in the world. So what a lot of our clients do is that they have their primary market or a couple of primary markets where they invest in FBA stock and they're able to tackle additional markets using FBM without any kind of FBA stock at all. And obviously, if there is demand in that market, if you can access that market and market in that, you know, market correctly, then that's a huge opportunity for you to expand yourselves simply just by accessing additional shipping options to international markets. Amazing. Well, look, I got a couple of powerful more reflections on the powerful points you made. I mean, first, I just want to say this is why having an MBA or a bigger business thinking, I think, is yeah. important. Literally, the last podcast that I created was a solo episode, not on, uh, an interview, partly because I just really feel passionate about this. And I, I need to get some more accountants on the show to, to talk about this. But the financial right. aspects of a balance sheet management, it, I mean, it's new to me for you as an MBA guy, you're probably like, yeah, this is old hat, but nearly all small business owners I work with just have no idea about it. And once you get it right, it profoundly changes everything. And so having 
less inventory on your balance sheet is just monstrously huge. I just want to hammer this home because most people just kind of have heard that and gone, yeah, yeah, whatever, blah, blah, accountant speak. What it means is instead of having to tie up, say, 30 or $40,000 or pounds, whatever you want in inventory in order to be able to sell a product for X amount of profit, profit you could tie up maybe just $3,000. That, that's a just monster difference because it means in order to run another 10 product lines, if you've got to allocate $30,000 in that capital to those, then you're going to have to tie up an additional 300000 or whatever, right? As opposed to thirty. I mean, it, it makes growth go from quasi-impossible without massive loans and huge investments mm-hmm. change really. So that that's a profound change. I mean, I guess what you're doing is you're got a profound downside, which is a huge delay. So therefore you'd expect uh, peak consumers to not buy that much of it. So that was the first thing I wanted to really sort of slam into, because I think that's so important. So tell me a bit about the reality of this then. So my instinct is still, and I think my listeners instincts will be, hence why I'm harping on about it. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but it's not two day shipping. It's not prime eligible. Mm-hmm. So therefore in reality, does anyone actually buy this stuff? You've already mentioned the Chinese sellers are competing. So somebody out there selling some of this stuff. But your experience with Western brands, do they actually, mm-hmm. you know, does it work? Do people actually buy this stuff and wait two or three whole weeks to get it? Yes. Yes, certainly for sure. Now, I, I will nuance it where it really depends on the product itself, right? If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 458. If you are selling a, a, a very generic product, if you're selling a product that there's an Amazon Basics version, for example, and they already have Prime shipping, it's going to, well, I mean, I assume everyone here knows about the problem with, with you know, Amazon Basics, really kind of taking the market for you know, a, lot of the pro- a lot of the products that they do invest in. That is probably something that you can't compete in with this kind of shipping option, right? Because why would you, you know, buy something that is potentially a little bit more expensive uh, that you're going to get? you know, five days later than just getting the Amazon Basics version or some other kind of generic version, right? So now that being said, there are a lot of brands out there. And, and, I, and I suggest really kind of one of the best ways to think about building a long-lasting, consistent brand is actually building something rather unique, right? It doesn't have to be something that is totally innovative in the world out there, right? Very few things are actually. However, if your brand has a somewhat unique edge, or a somewhere unique following, right? Then customers are going to be willing to say that, I, okay, I, I, I should just purchase a, a keyboard, you know? Like I, 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 I'm a big fan of mechanical keyboards, for example. And mechanical key, keyboards, they were originally really hot and developed in, in Europe, I think actually, you know, that, that was kind of the, the origin of a lot of this stuff. But then Chinese brands started actually making them, you know, just as well and actually cheaper as well. And actually they created a following and I'm like, Hey, look, you know, I actually used to buy brands that were made in Germany. Right. But now I, I, I really love this Chinese made keyboard that I actually, you know, and, and, I, and I really like the brand as well. And I'm willing to wait five to 10 days to actually get this product. Right. As opposed to like, I can get something similar from Amazon in two days. Right. So if you do have that unique edge and I really, really, really advise that anyone listening to try to get that unique edge, right? Now, that's not to say that two-day shipping is not better than 10-day shipping, right? However, once you get more of that edge and that difference starts to really not matter quite as much, right? Don't sell toilet paper. Don't compete with Amazon, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it is for quite specific uses. And, and actually, you know, this is kind of 
really one of the, like, you know, this is the client base that we typically work with as well. You know, they do have a unique brand. And actually, and I keep mentioning unique brand is that I don't necessarily just mean like FBA, right? Mm-hmm. Or Amazon even, right? A lot of our clients, they, they have omnichannel approaches. They have Amazon. They have their own Shopify storefront. They sell a Walmart, right? They're a brand. They're not just a Amazon ASIN. They're not just an Amazon listing, right? And when you do that, then your customers, you know, they associate that relationship with your brand and therefore they're willing to wait a little bit longer to get the products. Yeah, that's very interesting. So there's always an incredibly strong reason on Amazon to have a a differentiated brand anyway. And the traditional reasons are, I guess, from the mechanical point of view, conversion rate. So if people come to your listing, then they're more likely to buy and or price premium. There's obviously a tension between those two, right? But it mm-hmm. makes the economics of the product work. It just, if you're just doing FBA just, I guess, that you probably shipping a bunch of stuff from China, you got to put down a massive quantity of money, then you wait two months and then it turns up in Amazon. But then at least, so that's terrible for your balance sheet, as you said already, but at least in terms of profit and loss, you spent X amount on, on ads. The conversion mm-hmm. rate's high, so you get a return on that, and then you got to go a, a high price point so you can actually get a bit more profit. But I guess what you're implying to me, let's reverse engineer this. Instead of saying I can't make my products work that way because people won't wait two weeks or, or you know a week for my products, I would say that's a kind of test of how good your brand is, right? Because if your brand is strong enough, then yeah, you may not be able to get a premium price, but you can get a reasonable price, and people will still convert at a reasonable level and wait 10 days because they like your brand enough, right? It's a bit of a test of whether you've actually got a real brand. And what I would say is <clears throat> the big upside to getting there uh, from what you're saying isn't necessarily more profit, it's lower risk, but above all, just much, much, much lower working capital. Uh, and for yeah. me, that's like, there's literally the last thing I was obsessing about on the latest <laughs> podcast, but I, I just I just think people miss this completely. Like, never mind the profit and loss. Of course, you've got to be on top of your profit and loss, like you being on drugs if you're running a significant business, <laughs> if you're not. Yeah. But what about the balance sheet? Because that is not a theoretical thing you hand off to your accountant yeah. and go, well, I don't need to worry about this. Like if you have to invest a million pounds in order to generate a hundred thousand pounds in, in profit versus investing 50,000 pounds to generate a hundred thousand profit, that's just is a profound difference, right? So I just wanted to bang people over the head with that once again. But so tell me the real reality of this. I mean, if we if we took one of your clients, let's say they've got a serious brand, they're omni-channel, they have a, a serious enough kind of established brand that consumers actually care about. If you put an A-B comparison between an FBA listing where they get prime eligibility and two-day delivery mm-hmm. in the US mm-hmm. versus FBM, how, how does it stack up? How do they compare to each other? Oh, so, so look, the FBA always going to, if you have both listings active at the same time, the majority of customers are going to buy from the prime listing. Now, when I say majority, actually, it's not even always all the time because not everyone has prime. Many people have prime, but not everyone has prime. So not even like everyone has access to the prime two-day shipping. And for whatever reason, like, so we do see situations, even when you have both listings on the same time, maybe 10, 20% sometimes buy from the FBM listing, right? Potentially the customer just doesn't know better, right? And also, you know, these days, you know, my theory is also that customers are starting to feel that, you know, kind of given the, 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 the rush of more generic like Chinese brands out there. And like, you know, sometimes Amazon basics is not like kind of the perfect quality either. Right. Sometimes the customers do, do kind of start to feel like, Hey, I don't, I'll rather buy from, it's kind of weird, right? Because it's still Amazon. 
but they, they might feel like I'll rather buy from the brand listing rather than the Amazon listing. And, and again, it's, it's really kind of weird, right? But, but you know, I, that's my theory of why, like sometimes, like even when both listings are active, customers are going to buy from the FBM listing, whether it's shipped from locally or, you know, from China, right? Now, but, but again, you know, I, I would say that, you know, for FBA sellers, I don't think that the right approach is to somehow stop FBA and move all your inventory to China and just use FBM. I don't think that's the right approach at all. I'm not going to be here and rah-rah saying China shipping is going to change the world and everyone should ship from China. It should be a very valuable tool in your supply chain strategy, right? And I really actually believe the most optimal is a hybrid model, whether it's Amazon or a D2C e-commerce brand, right? You're always going to get, and, and let's kind of go to extreme for simplicity, right? But, you know, some of our larger clients, what they do is they fill up entire containers, right? They, they, they fill it up and they send it on the slowest boat possible, right? And that is going to be the cheapest average end-to-end cost in terms of your logistics chain, right? Now, traditionally, if you do that, you have to hold like six months of inventory, right? Now, what they do now is that they know that there is this backup option. So, and, and by the way, when you think about projecting out your inventory needs, I have never seen an accurate projection in all my years in this business. It yeah, just thank you for being exist. honest. No, you're <laughs> right. I mean, these, the art of inventory projection, not the science, because you're never going to get it right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. You know, there's one truth in inventory management, and that is the truth. That you're never going to get it right. The longer your lead time is, the more variance there is, and the less likely that you're going to, well, you're never going to get it right in the first place, but the more wrong you're likely going to be, and the more costly that that wrongness is going to cost your business as well. So what now a lot of our clients do, even if they still utilize that model, the traditional freight model, is that they don't have to plan for six months of inventory. They plan maybe for two to three months of inventory, fully knowing that there is a decent chance they're going to run out. And obviously, the opportunity cost of not selling is is, is costly as well. So you don't want that, but now they have this backup option to say that, okay, if they do run out, they can actually ship directly from China, which by the way, is going to be a little bit more expensive on an average basis, right? But as long as their, their margins can support it, a little bit less margin is better than running out of stock. And most likely for them, it's better than having to hold, you know, five times as much stock as they had uh, previously if they didn't have this option. Now, let's actually talk about the, 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 the relative cost there since, since we're talking about this already, right? So de- it's going to depend a little bit on the country and the way of the product, but for most consumer-sized and weight products, so we're talking about like maybe a couple kilograms and under, you know, kind of like the sweet spot that you usually want to be selling on FBA anyways, right? It's the cost of shipping directly from China is going to be very competitive and many times cheaper than if you utilize end-to-end air freight plus customs and tariffs plus, you know, kind of fees involved and plus the local uh, fulfillment and the uh, local courier. So if you add all of that up, if you're using air freight, that typically is going to be cheaper from China than if you compare the local model. Now, sea freight is where it's going to get cheaper than China. But again, Once you go down that route, then you have the massive difference in your lead time and therefore your balance sheet. And actually, you know what? You know, on on the balance sheet notes, and by the way, Michael, I I hate accounting as well. You know, so so I (laughs) accountants love accounting. I don't think anyone else loves accounting. But that being said, 
I think that you have a very good point that at least understanding the implication of the balance sheet is very important. But on the on that side, it's not just about the risk and the investment, right? Also, it's agility. It's it's flexibility as well. It's the ability to say that when your customer demand changes, oh, when your customer demand changes, you can flex your inventory based on that very rapidly, right? Whether it's good or bad, right? If you have demand spikes, you can flex that up. If you do, the current economy is not great, right? If, if sales slow down, you can flex that down. And if you launch new SKUs, new ASINs, new products, you could almost immediately launch it. You could test things much faster as well, right? We've had clients who were able to go to market two, three months earlier, literally just because they could ship products to us within a day, as opposed to waiting two, three months to ship to a local warehouse. So that is an element that, I mean, it, it all has to do with the vastly reduced lead time. And that drives both inventory risk and also the agility and flexibility to scale as well. So I, I just want to ask about a couple of other things about tariffs, because obviously if you're importing from China to US, tariffs are huge, huge hit to your profits. I mean, it's going to be 25% of the import value or more these days. And obviously mm -hmm. it applies to the vast majority of goods. So let's talk about that. How, how does that sort of interact with the way if you fulfill from China, how does that all stack up? Yeah, so great question. I got some great news for you as well. And, and it's going to depend on the country. So let's talk about the US and, and also the EU. So the US, the great news is that it doesn't matter because for the US, anything that is in a parcel that's under $800 in value, it clears completely customs free. So it doesn't even go through the customs process. So complete duty free. Now, obviously over $800, then it's a problem. But I imagine most of you out there are not selling products that are over $800 per parcel. So basically no tariffs at all. So this is one of the reasons why I said that especially for the US, if you calculate the end to end costs, freight costs, customs costs, and local fulfillment costs, it's probably cheaper to ship from China, right? That's, that's huge. I just got to underline that. I mean, I've had clients who paid like about 30, 40% of their landed cost in, in tariffs uh, all day long from shipping in bulk from China to US. Yeah. yeah. And then of course you get the joy as well as if the customs at US seem to have a pleasure in opening an entire <laughs> container containing yes. other people's stuff. So if you've got a lesson yes. and yes. then charging you for the privilege and taking an extra four weeks out of your life. So um, yes, there yes. are many, many uh, horrible things about shipping in bulk from China to the US. And you just sounds yes. like you just bypass that, right? I mean, yeah. that's pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even just a costing, right? Like you said, it's efficiency as well. By bypassing it completely, you don't get your container stuck for sometimes months at a time, actually, we've had that, like you use the wrong HS code. There's no such thing as HS codes when you actually ship from China, like on a parcel basis, as long as under $800. Now, so that's the US. Now, let's talk about the EU as well. So the EU, as, as you know, if you're selling EU, there's, there's DHT considerations. Now, uh, Amazon does make it actually quite easy because Amazon just collects the VAT for you, whether you like it or not, but still, you know, it's, it's a requirement. And Amazon provides us with the correct VAT registration and it just completely fast tracks. So there is obviously that VAT cost still. However, one of the biggest issues actually shipping within the EU in, in recent times, since like there were some recent VAT changes in the past year, was getting stuck at customs or making your customers having to pay customs before picking up the package, which no brand really wants. And this method completely fast tracks 
uh, because Amazon actually just provides us with the right documentation and registration. So there's no concern at all. So the reason that it works so smooth is because Amazon uh, acts as your importer of record. Is that right? Have I got that right? Or am I getting it? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, it's a little bit more complicated than that because it is, it, it's DDC, so it's not bulk importations. But for DDC import, well, DDC parcel sales into the EU from outside the EU, basically it is up to the point of sales, which is Amazon in this case, to collect and remit the VAT and provide the right information to the shipper from outside of the country in order to fast track through customs, right? So it's not exactly the same as the bulk import process. It's more of the uh, consumer VAT, but regardless, without complicating things too much, it's, yeah. it, it's a solved problem, essentially. Well, you know what? I mean, the, the point is there is a problem to solve, but Amazon solved it. And exactly. how amazing is that? Like the greatest fulfillment wow. of experts in the world, <laughs> Amazon bar none, have, have sorted it. So. So let, let me just reiterate this because it's kind of almost hard to believe because it's such a nightmare dealing with borders these days. So if you're shipping from China to the USA, if you bulk ship, you're going to get hit with tariffs on pretty much everything. And they're really hefty. They're like a few percent, 25%, 30%, whatever. You don't have to pay those on any product under $800. And yet, like who's shipping an $800 product across the world? Very, very few of us. Mm -hmm. If you're going from China to the EU, you don't have to pay. What, what happens? So you, you have to pay Viet. Just reiterate that for us and make sure we capture this. Oh, I mean, and it, it, it's just how Amazon deals with that process. And, 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 and I guess if you're selling in the EU, I guess some of you might realize this, that they're doing that. Some of you might not even realize they're doing that. I mean, it, it's, it's so much the sales tax, for example, selling the US, for example, right? With, with their A and Texas, right? Amazon just deals with that process. Well, actually, I would say that it's not Amazon has, they, I, they probably didn't want to solve the problem. The problem arose from, the VAT office in the EU forcing Amazon to solve this problem because they want to make sure that, you know, obviously all the platforms are collecting VAT uh, fairly. So, so, so yeah, you know, so, so essentially whether you as a seller know it or not when selling in the EU, uh, Amazon collects a VAT for you and then, you know, remits it on your behalf. Um, and I don't think it actually comes out of your margins. I'm not exactly sure the mechanism of doing so, but regardless then, we have that information and it goes through the customs process scot-free uh, beyond that because the VAT is already paid for. Right. I mean, and yeah, we're not trying to make you into VAT expert. People should go and consult there for yeah. sure. But nevertheless, I mean, the point is it's a solved problem. So you just have a smooth pathway from mm -hmm. customer prices order. And yes, maybe it takes five days, maybe it takes 10 days, but they just get it. Yep. They don't have to mm -hmm. pay. They have to fill in one of those annoying forms that says you've got to you know, go and, and pay some duty or you get one of those forms from DHL saying, hi, we want to give you the parcel, but they haven't paid the VAT. So you've got to phone yep. these people up and then give your credit card. And yep. yeah, that's a horrendous customer experience. So, wow, I, that's fantastic. I just wanted to capture that because it, that's so, so important. Thanks for clarifying. Sure. Of course. Yeah. It's funny what you're saying about accounting. I, I mean, I'm not excited oh. by sitting down doing bookkeeping that, that I've literally saw a, a friend of mine once in a mastermind that was part of uh, where we met up uh, having a nosebleed from doing his own accounts. I'm not yeah. saying that, but the basic principles that always, I'm a big picture guy. I like big picture principles that you can apply like a Swiss army knife as a tool that's simple, but powerful. Like, so that's, mm -hmm. I'm a simple guy and in a way, and, and this is a simple use of balance sheet management, right? We're not doing anything clever. It's like tie less money up in stock. So you are reducing risk. And, and what I also love is flexibility. Hey there, folks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the 10K Collective Podcast. And that's for you if you're a six or seven figure Amazon seller. Now, if you are selling on other platforms, 
I still think there's a lot to be gained from today's episode. There's not a real difference, actually. So um, main takeaways for me are a couple of things. I mean, first of all, um, simple things. If you fulfill direct from China, it turns out you can bypass all those nasty tariffs that you're going to get very considerable tariffs if you import in bulk anything over a few hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars to be precise, I guess, from China to the US. That's big. Um, if you're shipping from China to um, the EU or UK, you've got to deal with the whole VAT thing. Now, you can turns out you can bypass all that from going direct from China. So that's a lovely tactical win that's not inconsiderable. However, the other big thing that I took from today is not just that it's possible and that it's cheaper, but the risk reduction possibilities and the capital reduction possibilities are huge. And I think risk reduction, risk management and capital um, allocation and capital management or balance sheet management, as accountants want to call it, um, doesn't sound very sexy for most entrepreneurs, but I think it's critical for actually um, having a really mindful and smart, lean business growth plan. Because if you can tie less money up for the same cash flow coming out, so positive cash flow or net uh, cash flow, I suppose, then or free cash flow is the word I'm looking for, um, or profit, if you want to think in terms of profit and loss, then you have a much more efficient business, which means it can grow organically much more quickly. Or if you put more money in, you can grow it quicker or bigger. So either which way you, whichever way you cut it, this is really worth thinking through. And, and it really just reminds me that business is a system of systems and that you're sourcing and um, in this case, fulfillment supply chain and your financial strategy and your overall business growth strategy have to go hand in glove. Um, so I would urge you to check out what Ecom Ops are doing. So Dayu is over at ecomops.com. That's E-C-O-M-M-O-P-S for sugar.com. If you want to check out what they do, if you want to look at the show notes and learn a bit more from today's thoughts, go to 10kcollective.com. And uh, last thing to say, thank you so much for listening. I know there's a lot of information in the e-commerce space these days, so I really appreciate you giving us your time and attention. Hope it was repaid. Next part of the interview with um, Daya, we're going to go deeper into some of these strategic concepts, which I think you'll find very interesting because if nothing else, it can make me a lot more money from the same input cash of your hard-earned money investing or from debt that you're using from a bank. Very much, much worth nailing down. Meantime, thanks so much for listening. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 458. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.